Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Reproductive Justice Happy Hour podcast, where we help you find your Desi Videshi feminist happy place. We are super excited to share this episode with you, which is a rewind of our Women's Day special this past March 8th. Uh, so to be interview the dynamic feminist performance artist duo Sexonomics. And in this interview, we learn a lot about their creative process and what they love about being feminist, working together, and that sort of thing about opinionated women collaborating that Sotobi and I personally love to do and uh, try to highlight as much as possible. Uh, we learn a lot about the evolving spoken word scene in Mumbai, and we are treated to a bespoke live performance from them, including a very special iteration of WhatsApp Masala. Oh, you've never heard of WhatsApp Masala, you say? Well, I think you will recognize it instantly, especially if you're a woman who owns a phone or ever goes in line or just exist in this patriarchal world. Without further ado, here's Sexonomics. Hello to our listeners uh, all around the world. Uh, welcome to another very special episode of the Reproductive Justice Happy Hour, where we try and help you find your Desi Videshi feminist happy place. Uh, I'm your podcast host, Serbi, and Kristen is not in the studio today, uh, but she's here in spirit. Um, and this is a very special episode because it's a Women's Day special, but also March is the Women's History Month. Um, and I'm really delighted to have uh, Sexonomics with us today in the studio for a live podcast recording episode in Mumbai. And Ramya is sort of like dancing in her chair. <laughs> uh, but we have uh, Ishmit and we have Ramya from Sexonomics. Um, and they perform spoken word, poetry, spar with patriarchy, use performance art, fun humor to really talk about feminist issues and also talk about gender equality. And they do it in a really cool way. Um, I have had the honor to see them perform at various different venues um, over the last year. Uh, and it's always a delight. And I'm so, so excited to have them here with me uh, on this podcast episode. Welcome to our podcast, Roman Schmidt. Hi. Thank you. How are you guys doing today? Very excited, and I'm still dancing in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually wanted to start with a question about the name itself, yeah. which has uh, really intrigued me. Mm -hmm. Why the name Sexonomics? Um, so uh, I think it was one of those things that uh, we, we kept thinking about being a collaborative duo and imagining people announce us as here comes Ashmeet Nagpal and Ramya Pandey, not Idea Smith because her online persona is called Idea Smith. And we kept, you know, tripping over that. that shouldn't we have just a name to introduce both of us in one go? And uh, the first performance we were working on, the first pieces we were working on, we had these conversations about the economics of uh, being a certain gender in India or being born as a certain sex in India. So we, we kept thinking about that and we realized that it's not just India. Everywhere, kids are not viewed as just kids. They're investments uh, for their parents. Uh, and our value in life is determined by how well we perform economically uh, for each other and how earning this... Potential. Yes, this mm. earning potential and the transactional nature of everything we do in life, all of these interactions between all the genders, they come from a place of economics. So we were just sitting and uh, it just happened. You, you know, yeah. two words just clicked together and we were like, yes, sexonomics, that's it. That's what we are going to be called. Yeah, and I think... Uh, both of us individually uh, were 
had come to the conclusion that uh, most human interactions all human interactions really uh, are transactional in nature uh, they may not be uh, currency based transactions but they are transactions of respect of power of affection attention and so on and so forth and sex of course is is where it all comes down to uh, where you are and how you are sexually is how you are with the person or people that you are having sex with and uh, that's that's really like ishmeet said uh, our early conversations came from uh, acknowledging that we both thought of it that way because people don't typically like to associate words like transaction or economics with sex gender and so on and so forth and uh, yeah i think over over several agonizing conversations where there was a lot of food eaten and a lot of other things uh, <laughs> unnecessarily at that time we thought maybe unnecessary ideas uh, yeah. bounced off each other this this just kind of hit and clicked and it sounded good to us so yeah, yeah so the chemistry worked yes, yes it did um so basically actually first before we even talk about the work you guys are doing uh, maybe talk a little bit about your own selves um and then how did you both meet Um, okay why don't i go first since i was also first on the planet <laughs> so i like to remind ramya that she is about 9 years older than me yes yeah. thank you for yeah. bringing an age into this yeah. but yes so uh, 9 almost a decade more yes. of wisdom yes and experience Uh, so that actually means you should be listening to me more often <laughs> but since you don't uh, but uh, yeah i um, I have a fairly conventional uh, almost boring background. I grew up in Bombay and uh, I come from a very decent middle class uh, Tamilian family uh, and I have an education. I'm an MBA which is what uh, people who don't really <laughs> know what they want to do the rest of their lives end up doing. Uh, corporate career as well. I started writing This might angry some people. <laughs> angry some people. Yes. Well, you know, I'm an MBA so it's okay for me to say this yeah. about other So that I've been writing since I was a kid, and uh, I started blogging in 2004, early days of blogging, and uh, just gave me an outlet for expressing the kind of things that didn't find expression in my daily life, in my narrative of being all those aforementioned things of middle class Mumbaiker with a serious job. So I started writing as Idea Smith, which was an anonymous handle at that time, and I uh, did write a lot about the experience of being a woman. I didn't really like to think of myself as a feminist at that time, mainly because I thought feminists were people who are doing very important work, like getting women a vote, getting them reproductive rights, or at least trying to do work around that. And I didn't feel like what I was doing was anywhere in that league. uh somewhere along the line several years later uh, the open mic scene started in mumbai took off in a very big way so i've been fortunate enough to be a part of that scene for a while i started performing and uh, tada that's where the lady from punjab lands up and they, this is where this is your cue to come yeah. in so yeah as uh, ramya said uh, yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> see we we love transitions uh, okay so as ramya said i was uh, born in punjab um i went on to uh, get a degree in dentistry so i'm actually dr rishmit nagpal thanks to that um, yes um, some might not call it a doctor at all but um, i i studied for 5 years in manipal at that time i think that really helped open up uh, my mind to uh, the various ideas that were just 
flowering in the world at that time blossoming in the world and i really did not know about any of these things when i was um when i was sitting at home in punjab and thinking that the world is only this small uh so after manipal i went on to do a post graduation in public health in haryana uh, where i stayed in a remote village um where there was uh, you know erratic supply of electricity we had uh, common bathrooms with all kinds of insects in the world and um, you had to go to these communal toilets uh, carrying your own bucket of water and i spent 3 years there and i worked with uh, you know people from uh, rural areas and i think it it helped me get a deeper understanding of what it meant uh, for me to uh be working in the field of uh, women's rights and women's health and that gave me a lot of perspective but then after 3 years uh i i really felt that i needed to do something more um i had always been uh, a poet since i was maybe 6 years old because my father used to write and i remember comparing my poetry with his and i came to mumbai after that i got a job in the ngo sector and went on to start performing at the open mic circuit and that's where i met uh, ramya tada yes <laughs> one more transition <laughs> uh so um i i was actually very enamored by uh, ramya uh, her facebook page was uh, uh, called idea smith and she would put up these updates that uh, you know i'm going to be performing at this event and i'm going to go here and perform and i was very new in mumbai at that time so i used to go around the town with uh, wherever my two or three favorite poets uh, were performing including ramya and i used to go and watch with like a googly eyed and oh my god these people are so great and how will i, I don't ever... remember this by the way <laughs> <laughs> and how will i ever have the courage to stand up next to them uh, but i did eventually we became great friends because uh, i think earlier it was uh, uh, the lone voice of ramya floating through uh, because if you go to the poetry circuit or any uh, performance circuit there is a imbalance in terms of numbers anyway so you have very few women in the crowd very few women performing so you know and very few women who will speak up and be loud enough to be heard so ramya was one of them and she was very outspoken and you know oh my god this was sexist or oh my god this was problematic and when i came along and we just became those um, two hand in hand yeah. uh, two musketeers <laughs> so to speak literally two from across the room like i'd look at uh, i i'd gotten so used to not having anyone else and everyone looking at me weirdly and suddenly there was this young woman across the room who was also saying oh my god mansplaining <laughs> i just loved the fact that there was somebody who knew of the concept of mansplaining yeah and was willing to call it out so and i mean ishmit is such a tremendous performer and writer herself wow we sound like a mutual admiration society <laughs> now <laughs> and we'll come back to this idea of how open mic spaces i think still are quite dominated by men um and i would definitely want you guys to share some more of your thoughts and uh observations on that but before we get into that tell me how does the process work of like coming up with the work that you create through sexonomics like what was the thinking like what goes into it how do you come up with the subjects and topics that you guys talk about how does that work like just now so yeah. right now just just before we started this we were testing and uh, we were just we were just wondering whether we both sound too similar because people have confused our voices when we meet on con calls uh, and we realized we really don't sound that similar i have yeah. this sort of high pitched almost squeaky shrill voice and rishnit has a more considered uh, uh, a deep bodied voice yeah. in that sense but then hey all women sound the same right and i say that with heavy irony 
and uh, this is something I think we it it just sounds like an exciting idea that we would yeah. want to satirize and perform. I think this is what happens <laughs> to us. We 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 sit at some place and we are having a normal conversation and something will come up and we'll be like, oh, we should do a piece on this. And uh, I think one of our first pieces uh, came up when we were just sitting and chilling and eating and having some beers at one French place. French fries. French fries <laughs> and six dips. <laughs> I distinctly remember that. Yeah, and trying out uh, you know beers the creative and creative stimul- stimulant. For yeah. <laughs> and we were like randomly that oh Very. we'll just talk about some few things and. Uh, Ramya herself is uh, is a very funny person. If, if you sit yeah. with her long enough, thank you so much. Yeah, oh, that's so sweet. Nobody has said that to me. Even in poetry, oh. so Ramya used to uh, you know have a lot of humor in her poetry in in some of her pieces. While I have always been the one who's been dark and morose and everything is spiraling kind of poet. Sort of compliment um, each other. Though. Actually, no, I but mean, when we come together as exonomics, I get funny too. It rubs off on me. I think both ways because on my own also I don't. I've never really thought. of myself as funny but uh, ishmeet is a wonderful performer she's also had a uh, she has a background in theater and apparently i i know some people who knew her when she was growing up and uh, they've said this about her as well she's sort of uh, uh, controlled an audience of hundreds of people when she was a kid as well and that uh, so much of the time i'm learning i'm watching or watching our videos watching what she does and uh, being funny and also being relevant is so much about uh, believing that you can do it so for me it is when there's ishmeet there on stage i know the idea will get its full expression even if i'm not able to do as much justice to it which also makes me think i have to also keep up with that and uh, yes. so ramya is being very flattering right now hey, because why <laughs> uh she is um because most of the uh, the writing part where we have to throw in some punches or jokes uh, most of it comes from uh, ramya and from the conversations that we have sitting around and uh we parody things we like to subvert uh, the messages that are around us so i think um, the core of I- our ideas always comes from a regular everyday occurrence that is happening around us and being normalized by everybody and we just try to take a different spin to it I I think that's really interesting because even when Kristen and I are thinking of episodes for the RJ Happy Hour like yeah. that's exactly what we do like we're talking about things happening in the news or in just yeah. things around us and we'd be like oh let's talk about this yeah. you know or maybe uh let's think more about this and see what our listeners want to yeah. contribute to so kind of similar process maybe not as many french fries and dips <laughs> <laughs> that was only the one time more often than not it's usually Chai, and a lot of it happens over Skype or WhatsApp yes. because she's yeah. yeah she's we have like three-hour-long phone. phone calls yes. and yeah. with everybody in our houses wondering what's wrong with them, why are they on the phone constantly? Yeah. Not even wondering anymore because <laughs> they don't have a choice; they are forced to listen. <laughs> But I think something I really also admire about women doing things together is how often women are pit against each other yes. instead yeah. of like really doing awesome things together. You guys are doing that, I and mean, when you guys are talking about each other, it's like. you are holding up each other right and i think mm-hmm. that is so much needed in the work that we do and in the world we live in so i really admire women doing things together and i mean kristen and i call each other our work wives like we are work wives basically <laughs> oh that's what we are oh my god uh, better half oh my god yeah. um, though i do think yeah. uh, i mean i i i think that's how a good collaboration works whether right. you have a business together or yeah. uh, you're creating art together you have to really like and respect each other yeah. as people and then whatever you're creating together just kind of happens yeah uh, ishmeet and i started as friends and uh, 
I mean, I don't even want to say started as friends because that implies that there was a, we had to build it step by step. I think I, I saw her perform and I knew I would like this girl. Yeah. I wasn't so sure at that time whether she would like me back, but I just knew I liked her and I respected her ideas and where she was coming from. Because you can tell based on what the person is saying, what kind of thought process they've lived through, what kind of life process they've lived yeah. through. And uh, so when she suggested, she's the one who suggested we collaborate, I was literally, oh, I was just waiting for you to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, do sexonomics in that sense became just one of the many things that we enjoyed uh, doing together sounds wrong but yeah. <laughs> I think we get it yeah. <laughs> but okay coming back to the open mic scene in Mumbai because we have listeners from really all around the world why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what does the open mic scene look like in Mumbai right now and how does the gender dynamics play out in that space wow okay um, so um we are uh, actually curating uh, a week of uh, shows and open mics and uh, different uh, workshop uh, related things on the theme of balanced voices which is uh, basically we interpret it in terms of gender but other people are free to interpret it in other dynamics of power and all of the imbalance that is around us so when we were even talking about this we knew that we have to somehow integrate uh, the message that you know just because you don't see an imbalance doesn't mean it's not there uh, so in the open mic circuit though it's been a very welcoming space uh, most of the time and um, it's it's been growing at an alarming rate over the past uh, year or so and that's actually really good for poetry but it also means that um, the more uh, crowd uh, that comes in uh, it, it becomes a little more unsafe for women because of many reasons. One is that less a number of women in the audience, less a number of women <clears throat> performing, even less a number of them having uh, the strength or the confidence to uh, take any ideas on the stage uh, that are feminist or that are controversial. Um, and then getting attacked, getting slaughtered, getting stereotyped. There's a lot of uh, uh, misogyny in the world in general which percolates uh, through into a gathering of poets because that's what happens when you uh, put so many people together and uh, I think uh, even though a lot of people now are taking cognizance of this issue it will take some time to build a space that is truly equal uh, and has the kind of comfort that uh, women would uh, you know, not feel uh, threatened or intimidated by the circuit at all. Uh, we're not at that place right now, but uh, a lot of venues, a lot of collectors have taken cognizance of this issue. And we as Sexonomics are also trying to, you know, tie up with all of the venues and uh, uh, take our messages across uh, to as many platforms as we can so that people, uh, you know, start thinking about things at least. Because earlier it used to be like, oh, I've never even thought about this. You know, what attacks or what verbal attacks? We've not thought about this. We don't know this. But now that you do, and in a fun way, now you get to reminisce about it. The next time you see anything like this happen, you're like, oh, I was told about this. I was told that something like this could happen. And maybe I should say something. Maybe I should do something. So what we're doing essentially is building those reference points for people. And I think it should have a positive change. And we already see it happen a little bit, but it should have a positive change soon. But being part of the open mic scene yourself um, and then calling others out who are also part of that community, 
does that create some kind of fiction or i was just about to say this is a very uh, difficult uh, question because um, for me especially i grew up in mumbai the city's home and uh, i learned how to be a writer an artist and a performer here i learned how to be a performer through the open mic scene and open mics uh, really started in a big way in 2009 in bombay uh, and at that time it was just one restaurant somewhere where uh, once a month there'd be <coughs> excuse me once a month there'd be um, an open mic just the idea of what an open mic is all of those were new and over time there were other people who came in other venues other curators and so on and so forth so i think i can safely say that uh, i have a i have an immediate relationship with all the major people who are doing anything relating to open mics not just in poetry in bombay and if not an immediate there'll be one connecting person in between at most only because i've been around here for so long now this also means that i have relationships with all of them some of them are friends some of them are people that i have worked with in uh, you know maybe collaborated in some way uh, some of them are people that i've sat with and uh, looked at their writing they've looked at mine some of them are people with whom i've shared a meal a glass of wine while we are watching some other performers so within this space it's almost like a family in its own way and just like with family there are things that don't work for you and it's very difficult to call them out and people also feel very personally attacked even where it's not an attack precisely right. because you're so close to them yeah. so even if i were to say something like hey, i didn't really like what you said now if i were to say that to just some other performer i've never seen before it would land a little differently from someone who i've been having a meal with every once a week every week they're going to take it as ramya has rejected me so i think that's uh, that to me explains a lot of the rather extreme events that have happened in the last uh, year and a half and i say extreme because those are the things that ishmita has been talking about there's a lot of bullying there's a lot of uh, angry uh, it's ugliness really it's ugly it's ugly for all of us because you're uh, challenging the power dynamics yeah. right in the in that space i want to say it's ugly for the other person also because when you go up in an ideal world when you're creating art whether it's in your writing or in your performance you do it from a place of joy and peace maybe it sounds a little new agey but it's it's supposed to be it's art right but when it comes from a place of anger and hatred and resentment i'm not saying that doesn't create good art that also creates good art but uh, i don't know it just feels so much maybe i'm just being old fashioned because for so many years an open mic has been a place of comfort for me where i can go up and just say stuff and express myself in a way that i couldn't and suddenly it's become a place where i have to be careful because someone might attack me or someone might feel attacked by me right uh but then again i think this goes with the this goes with the idea that the space is growing it's not just open mics anymore uh, people who were like me 3 years ago and i don't have any kind of formal background in performance i have stage fright even now but uh, that's hard to believe but okay <laughs> thank you that's no that's that's very nice but the fact is it is true and i have learned to deal with certain things mm-hmm. um now the fact that this is a possibility today is wonderful and this is because of the space and all these very same people and i know that i'm only one of the many many stories like this uh, there are people who had uh, had a problem with stammering for many years and there are people who now go up and perform there are other people who and i've seen this happen their hands are trembling when they're on stage and and they're doing such wonderful work people who are maybe not that evolved as writers who are now 
who are putting out work that is so magnificent. So if it's growing, I'm guessing all of these are also right. part of the... So yeah, actually that was my next question because of course if there's backlash, there's also been a lot of positive reception to the yeah. work you guys are doing. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I think there's been a growing community of supporters and advocates of the work that you guys are doing and also inspiring other performers to do the same. What has been the positive response uh, been like over the last few months? Um, I think I, I, I want to share an anecdote here about... Before um, you, can I, I, okay. do, I do have an honest line. I think the best thing about, hands down, the best thing about 2017 for me was meeting Ishmeet. <laughs> because it was at a place in my life where largely because of the performance circuit, I felt ostracized, hated and shunned from everywhere. And Ishmeet was the only, only person, the only force standing there saying, I believe in what you're doing and I think this is good. And uh, just that one person and then so much came from there. It was like one after the other. When, when you invited us to come and perform, that, that was such a glowing uh, recommendation for our work mm-hmm. and our ideas. Yes, yes. so two, <laughs> two anecdotes then. Um, so as Ramya was saying, so Surbi had invited us to uh, Delhi for an organization that she works for. Uh, to perform over there and uh, that was our first experience of going out of uh, Mumbai to perform. We uh, we really didn't have that much time uh, uh, to, to prepare uh, for it. Uh, the theme was uh, uh, pleasure, pleasure as a human right. And uh, when I was thinking of uh, writing for this and uh, you know what should I say about pleasure because a lot of the times when we are writing for Sexonomics we are bringing in our personal stories as well. And my personal stories uh, related to pleasure were, were not that, uh, you know, happy. Um, but then we went ahead and we, we did form a piece around it. Whereas um, I think if I were alone uh, performing uh, my personal experiences somewhere, I would have a, a hesitation, so to speak, to, to bear my soul uh, to the world. I think that's why I, I stick to poetry that has a lot of metaphors. But when you come to sexonomics, it doesn't restrict you to poetry anymore. So we become role players, we become dramatic artists, and uh, we take on music, Comedians. and we take on comedy, and, and we <clears throat> become something different. So the feedback uh, in terms of that also, because for my poetry, if, if somebody would come and uh, you know tell me something about my poetry it, it's still very flattering but it also feels like I've exposed a part of myself and uh, but with sexonomics when people come and give us feedback it's always the other way around people tell us that we've exposed a part of them uh, they come and tell us that we've uh, articulated what they've gone through in life not just about sex but uh, other situations like marriage or weddings or just sitting around with friends so uh, with sexonomics I think the biggest feedback has been this that people have come in they've told us that oh you have uh, taken up something from my life and put it on the stage and this is unbelievable and so relatable and uh, the other anecdote that I wanted to share was that we went uh, to perform for um, a music art poetry festival in in Kolaba and uh, (laughs) that was at a very posh place and it was at radio club and uh, these old time you know clubs that have this grandeur so to speak and the old world charm yes and we went in and we saw people over there who were from the age range of 15 to 75 possibly 
and uh, i was like oh my god this is such a diverse crowd and uh, you know very and looked very english speaking crowd and we perform in a bilingual yeah. very uh, you know british in fact yeah uh, and we we use vernaculars we use hindi we use everything yeah. and we were very skeptical oh my god what's going to happen and the age range is so diverse and we were just performing for millennials and what's going to happen and we went there and we performed and uh there was this really nice old lady who came and uh, she patted ramya on the head and a very nice old gentleman who who came up to me and said oh, oh my god this is so relatable and i've seen this happen around me and thank you so much for putting this out on stage and it was a huge success a unbelievable that was literally both of us thinking what just happened there actually I mean, like a huge it. room uh, like it was a lot of people and yeah. though we had performed for ngos and stuff before yeah. where you know it's almost like, like you're like similar crowd yeah, yeah. but then you were preaching to the converted over there right. so so yeah. to speak because uh, the social uh, development uh, people have have a certain amount of background so we knew that oh they will get what we are saying but this was just a mixed bag of people and yeah. i think that boosted our confidence a lot after Very that much. we were yes. like oh yes we are relatable to every <laughs> age group now this is good yes. <laughs> that's that's true that's that's definitely one of our uh, happy memories uh, we were really i i was in fact i got there a little earlier and i was for about an hour i was texting ishmeet saying let's junk what we are doing let's do our old you know poetry and all that serious uh, literary poetry because i don't think this audience is going to even like so just curious us. what did you guys perform there <laughs> <laughs> we have a piece called uh, charlog where we satirize uh, social approval because uh, charlog kaun se charlog wo charlog kya kahenge so we present it like a tele shopping network ad where uh, we will teach you how to gain social approval by uh, enrolling you in charlok professional university in fact the video of this piece is going to be up possibly today or tomorrow morning yeah. and uh, it will be up on our youtube channel so people can check it out there directly smooth plug yes very nice <laughs> what <laughs> you mentioned the piece could be transition <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah we will be happy to plug that on our website as well um yes. for the podcast so and maybe Thank you can you. perform that towards the end of the episode um, yeah we had actually something special in mind oh, for okay. performing yeah. here yeah something new in fact so yeah. we thought so i mean so. because you guys are so great with transitions that was going to be my question <laughs> um you know what makes you really relatable with so many diverse audiences i think because you make it so fun um and you talk about things that people can relate to generally you don't have to be a feminist to sort of understand that for other people are talking about you right like that's something you experience yeah. in your life every day yeah. um So and I I think I read in one of your interviews I think it was on DNA or scroll that you guys really do put a lot of effort in making sure that your feminist politics is relatable and fun for people. Yeah. Um which is I guess also visible in the kind of reception that you have received from diverse audiences. So how how does that happen? Like how do you do that? I think that comes from um, see I'm a content professional. Mm-hmm. That's my job as well and uh, the primary thing in any kind of content whether you're uh, using it to promote a business or uh, well tell an entertaining story is it has to be engaging it has to be entertaining uh, fun is one of the ways it can be entertaining relatability is another one and ishmeet herself having been a writer having been having worked in the activism sector also i think understands mm-hmm. this because uh, unless you make it a real story for the person you are talking to what why would they even want to give you a listening it's a privilege when a person pays attention to you you have access to their minds and we are trying to make people think about feminism uh we don't think that feminism fun relatability are 
detached or disconnected from each other because feminism for us is about living your own life with a lot of fun and freedom and allowing other people to do the same whoever you are gender regardless sexuality regardless any of those things uh, and i think that that reflects because after a while nobody is interested in listening to lectures nobody yeah. wants to be talked down to uh, and if we want to say look feminism is cool you don't have to be so scared of it we have to be that yeah. we yeah. can't just preach it yeah. walk the talk yeah yeah and i mean i i think uh, i know ishmeet is a pretty fun person to hang around this is not just me saying this i know she's an extremely popular person <laughs> exactly you know this and uh, there's a few people at least who think that i'm reasonably fun to be around uh, i can also vouch for that <laughs> so it's actually not that much of an effort or a stretch for us all we need to do is uh, be us because we we embody feminism in our own way and we also embody fun and relatability so those are the stories we want to tell anyway. but but do you guys see sexonomics as a political project that of course <laughs> it is of it course is. it absolutely is how does that translate into uh maybe like more practical change then is is there a vision behind that political project um okay so this is tricky but uh i think in any case any artist anyone who's writing singing performing is necessarily expressing politics in some way it is impossible you every human being has politics at some level uh, they may not be stated very obvious uh, policy level politics but you definitely have an uh, some kind of an opinion about the food you eat and what the world should eat uh, how sex should happen who it should happen with where it should happen uh, your own bodies other people's bodies and that is politics uh gender politics and sexuality sex politics are things that both of us are very very interested in spend a lot of time thinking about is it political yes the reason we create content the reason we perform and stand up or write is also because we are uh it's very important to us that the world sees our ideas and at least considers them even if it doesn't embrace them automatically and that itself is a political uh, political agenda i yeah. think And I think you guys also sort of uh, maybe you know embodyify the whole idea of personal is political. Yes, yes. A lot yeah. of the performances I've seen and the work that I've read, it is very personal. But then you kind of give it a twist that makes it political in in terms of its activism, but also in terms of its voice. Um, and I think we need more of such uh, you know fiercely strong feminist artists. Um what is your sense of how how is that discourse unfolding in India right now? There's a lot happening in the west. Yeah. But what about in in even not in India broadly but maybe bigger cities like Mumbai or Delhi? Um so yeah I was coming to that that there's there's a big divide in terms of the politics which is uh, unfolding in the urban areas versus versus the rural areas because I've worked in villages and I know what the discourse is like over there. So over there we are talking about uh you know even um, so i was a dentist and the only way i could uh, talk to the women in some of these villages was by posing literally as a dentist and saying that i want to give a health talk about your teeth and then you get to talk to the women and some of them uh, you know come up to you because they think oh you are a female doctor so you must know more about the female anatomy and all of this i've had women come up to me and just open their salwars in front of me and say like oh i have a rash here what should i do and uh, you know the, the kind of uh, needs um in rural areas and the kind of discourse that is needed in do- rural areas is 
uh, going along in a definitely positive direction uh, a lot more women are taking matters of their own health into their own hands and there's a lot of uh, uh, ngos and government uh, workers who are involved with the women and villages now i think the whole uh, concept of uh, uh, the women who are coming out and getting some of their rights at least without uh, you know upsetting the patriarchal system they live in too much i think even that is a, a very positive change from what i would have seen maybe 5 years earlier so that is happening in a positive direction in the urban scenario though uh, there's a lot of distraction uh, there's a lot of uh, um, hate so to speak and also uh, a lot of Uh, there's no consensus around even the term feminism so everybody likes to come in with their own definition of feminism and trying to derail the conversation at every juncture so if if women want to talk about sexist jokes or if women want to say that certain terms are sexist and you cannot say this to me uh, people come up with memes and uh, you know dialogues in retaliation which are basically you go to the village and work and then you will see what real feminism is what and about the yeah the what about tree basically uh, so i can say that i have worked in villages dude and i know what i'm talking about but not every female who yeah. is uh, active in the uh, you know discourse in in the urban area can say that but that yeah. shouldn't take away from the conversation in the urban scenario as well because none of it is okay yes there are rights to be gained in terms of where the rural areas are concerned but then doesn't make it okay in the urban areas that you are leering at a woman it doesn't make it okay anywhere that's it i think uh, and i often uh, i'm with ishmeet on this i think sometimes uh, when you're working when you're working in the front of the lines it's very hard to see progress takes time it uh, it maybe takes generations and i can still see uh, how much of a change has happened in my lifetime itself um say a movie like uh, padman Uh, now i know that as a vocal feminist there are issues that i could point out mansplaining caste planning all of those but on the other hand i i'm still i think it's wonderful i went and saw this with my family uh, my parents and my aunt and we went to a multiplex in malad which is a very very urban area in bombay but it's also a very family conventional family traditional gujarati family kind of area and there are kids running around and there are teenagers and older people senior citizens and we are all sitting and watching a movie that talks about menstruation personal hygiene and all of these i think it's wonderful i couldn't have imagined something like this happening in an indian multiplex even 10 years ago and i think that's that's massive progress yeah. and that's a movie that uh, i mean even with all its issues and everything it's it's a bankable commercial star taking a movie on like that and uh, that story is gone out into every every village every city of bombay that's that's only an example yeah. and also the uh, one of the things i think that's really fantastic is that the stories are coming up voices are coming out so while we face a lot of backlash because we take we take certain very strong points of view even the dissenting voices that are coming up are sharing their experiences it's a lot of men who are uh, they are sharing their angst and their fears obviously it's a loss of control patriarchy being lost means that they don't necessarily know their mm. place in the new world and uh, listening to those stories of fear of angst i think is just as important to taking feminism forward so yeah. and there's a lot of that happening so open mics the open mic culture and the whole viral video thing while uh, 
at a, as a feminist i have an issue with some of those content pieces so at an overall level i think i'm glad that all these voices are coming out mm-hmm. yeah um so because we call ourselves a reproductive justice happy hour we look at intersectionality in a big way right whether we're talking about sex or abortion or uh incarceration rights all of those things how do you uh include intersectionality in your work like, i think for me it comes uh by default i mean i could uh, i think when i talk about feminism or when i talk about uh, gender or sexuality i think by default i do think about all the uh, ways in which uh, other factors are overlapping with it be it caste or be it economic status or be it education or be it anything which is external to the only binary we see of the gender um so i think by, by default anyway it comes through in our work and uh, certain things we do comment upon especially uh, so for example we have a piece on how weddings are arranged in india and we throw in these jokes about how high caste is preferred and how uh, you know people write caste no bar but then they don't really mean it yeah. and there there's a lot of uh, you know uh, this Uh, urban uh, in urban scenarios also a lot of places where caste comes in without being obvious right. uh, but we try to point it out and uh, make, make it obvious, it obvious for people that oh this is not really okay what you're doing and we laugh about it too so basically we are satirizing the whole system around us of uh, any system where there is a power imbalance so that could be anything so i think intersectionality in that way is inherent to what we perform i think also in the indian context uh, intersectionality uh, is has a lot to do with language because language is the great uh, divider i want to say in india um i'm south indian i've lived my whole life in mumbai and uh, i know there's a massive linguistic barrier uh, in south india and also in north india and uh, mumbai in that sense is a metro plus it's in western india so it's almost like a middle middle ground there but everything comes together <laughs> i speak five languages and i understand another three at least wow. because that's really the only way to survive and it's not even it's really not even wow i know english because i studied in an english medium school mm. i know marathi because it was my second language being the language of the state i know hindi because every indian kid is made to learn hindi i know tamil because it's my mother tongue i know punjabi thanks to bollywood <laughs> i know gujarati because of the college i went to Now this is a survival skill but I think but that kind of experience is also very typical to Mumbai like you don't see that happening in Delhi for instance right like where you kind of have this confluence of different communities and cultures coming together like I do think uh, most cities in urban India today <coughs> in India today uh, Bangalore for example Bangalore is in the south but Bangalore possibly has more people from outside Karnataka especially from the northern states then locals now and again i don't uh, i mean i don't have any statistics to prove this but that seems to be uh, the thing now so one thing is i thought was interesting especially about the piece that ishmeet mentioned uh, shaadi ka laddu uh, shaadi ka laddu actually uh, started with i had written a piece a while ago which was a solo piece which was based on i was sitting in a coffee shop and i noticed that there was this typical arranged marriage uh, meeting that was happening two tables next to mine we were seen <laughs> exactly and that happened in bombay and uh, ishmeet had this piece where she had written she was parodying the the entire process that she would have had to go through had she not had the kind of wedding that she chose to have eventually uh, so satirizing and what she finally decided to go in for 
and that would have happened in punjab largely the, yes. the entire thought process those experiences and uh, bringing it together was the effort was mainly creative in terms of what lines mm-hmm. we didn't have to actually work on do these two narratives fit together because they just did yeah, and when we yeah. performed this piece we've gotten people saying this is my story and this is people who've grown up in small town north india uh, people uh, in my family who've lived their entire lives in uh, other parts of very very strictly linguistically bound uh, southern uh, cities people from all over and i we thought that was really interesting considering it's something like uh, an indian ritual which should ideally be different in every state of the country but what we pointed out there seems to cut across different castes communities right. and linguistic barriers we are also multilingual we've so far only worked on uh, hindi and english but yeah. uh, ishmeet knows and writes in punjabi as well and i have a little smattering of all those other languages mentioned so we are actively trying to bring in those partly to keep the local flavor and partly also because when you say something in english uh, and you translate it into another language there's so much other context that's right. added there yeah. so that's i think my thought in terms of bringing in intersectionality yeah. of uh, well intersectionality of thought oh, yeah. We at the RJ Happy Hour podcast are really proud to say that this episode was recorded with the support from Inroads, the international network for the reduction of abortion discrimination and stigma. In addition to their amazing work that they do busting abortion stigma internationally, they are pretty much the nicest, most energetic a creative bunch of people you will ever meet. So, I highly suggest that you check out their website endabortionstigma.org to learn more about their work and maybe connect with Enrose if you think you would like to become a member or contribute in some other way. you guys have to perform for for us but also just one last question before i uh give over the microphone to you guys is what is something that you have read recently that really had an impact on something you wrote or performed um just it could be anything a book or an article something you heard from someone else or you guys were talking about i think for me it was the cat person um so tell, i tell think tell our listeners what cat person so is cat person is this uh, it it reads like a fictionalized account of a woman who goes on a date and what happens thereafter and uh, you know nowhere in the whole story does she say no uh, nowhere in the whole story does she say stop uh, nowhere does she uh, you know come to terms with the fact that this was assault um basically she does what i would call go with the flow and reading that was very triggering for me because um in the process of reading it i realized oh my god this has happened to me i have been assaulted and uh, you know i had never let myself uh, come to terms with that fact that you know going with the flow uh is not enthusiastic consent it it is not something that i really really wanted to do and uh, when i was uh, we, we were talking earlier about a piece i wrote for um 
pleasure as a human right the event that surbi invited us to and uh, you know we were both talking about sexual experiences and while uh, ramya has this very interesting piece about comparing alcohols with men and how different sexual experiences with men relate to uh, different flavors of alcohol uh what i wrote about my sexual experiences over there i i i then ended up writing it down that you know when will you uh let me be curious and enthusiastic and somebody who wants to say that yes let's rip our clothes off right now and do this when will you let me do this you being people in yeah. general when will you let me get to that point before you push my head down like always so th- this is something that uh that has happened to so many women i mean this triggers so many women yes very triggering well. very <laughs> triggering and uh i think but that some triggers are there in a good way they trigger you into healing as well and coming to terms with uh, where you stand in terms of uh you know being okay with what has happened in your past and i think cat person was this brilliant piece of writing that never really seemed to say anything but then once you read it and you sat down you yeah. knew everything that had been said yeah. Yeah. yeah um and we will actually so it it was published in the new yorker um mm-hmm. and we will link it to uh, our website so you guys can actually read it but you know it's it's um it's i think in in importance for the me too movement broadly but also in terms of how as feminists we shouldn't just stop at consent we yeah. also need to talk about pleasure when yeah. it comes to um you know sexual experiences i think cat person did it amazing yeah. so ramya uh i have uh, two pieces that uh, in my mind are reference points right now uh, one is of course the the me too movement uh, unearthed just ripped loose a lot of personal stories and a lot of ideas uh one thing and i've read multiple articles on this so it'll take me a little time to get back to you on which exact article but uh, recently i read one more article in this about uh, monica lewinsky and how she was also uh, a victim of really. uh yeah but i've also read uh, several other think pieces about this and uh, somehow because i was uh, i was old enough to figure out something was happening when the original the the affair in the news broke, broke out so i have seen uh, the evolution of my thought and uh, the world's thinking how they seen her how they treated her and uh, where she stands now in the context of it so that definitely and i want to say that even triggered uh, me um, the the show that we are going to be doing tomorrow i in fact told ishmi we we have to address this in some way when we are talking about balanced choices it's very important to me to a bit of it uh, the other one is uh, definitely the movie padman because i'm i'm just uh, i've already mentioned how blown away i am by the fact that there is talk about this it could be done better it could be done differently yes but uh, i'm glad it has started a, a thought about menstrual health and and the fact that this is not this is not women's health it's it's uh, world health really because uh, if if the menstrual process is not uh, safe and uh, n- nurtured and uh, healthy then uh, that's that spells doom for all human life right so yeah cool those were some amazing su- suggestions and i think we will definitely link all of those works to our website uh but now is the time for sexonomics to perform for us for the first time ever on the reproductive justice happy hour this Yay. is sexonomics
Hello and welcome to the Sexonomic show. What's Sunday like in the city that never sleeps? Everyone who matters is asleep, but they'll all be awake once the fight begins. All 7 billion of them. My name is Ramya Pandian and I'm welcoming my co-presenter Ishmeet Nagpal. We have a great show coming up for you and we'll start with the big fight. The biggest fight. The oldest fight. The endless fight. The unwinnable fight. The Okay stop. Let's tell them about our contenders. Here comes our first fighter, the star, the winner, the amazing one, the big champ. Drum roll. Our reigning champion is Labels. That's who has been leading the championship for centuries now. Tell our viewers about our first contender. Labels, labels, labels. Credentials. Big Bazaar, MTV, FTV, Sanskari, Dove, Prude, Sexpot, iPhone only. Bitch, Tanishk, Good Gold Digger, Nakhrewali, Chick, Babe, High Maintenance, Jhalli, Mufat, Behenji, Hi-Fi Type Ki, Stick-On Labels, Iron-On Labels, Permanent Labels, Labels Never Lost a Fight. And now for our brave challenger, where is she? That girl. Ramya does this one have any credentials at all well ishmeet girl is quite independent rebellious you know intelligent successful all of that girl has been getting attentions from many men girl has survived all of this and girl is still single and smiling i think girl is all geared up for the fight well she does look pretty confident but then many a girl has been taken down by labels before that's why this fight should be interesting what say We have our two fighters so let's go over the rules. What rules? In a fight with labels anything goes. Anything? That's true. I suppose all is fair in love and whatever you call this. The mating game. The female of the species is fair game after all. We'll see about that. It's time to go a few rounds. Girl versus labels. Right after these commercial messages. WhatsApp masala. Booty call selfie dick pic masala fuck boy commitment phobia masala whatsapp masala welcome back to the big fight of girl versus labels i am ishmeet and the action has just begun we have here ramya who is telling us about the new contender girl but i can assure you ramya our reigning champion labels will have some tricks up their sleeve let's see ishmeet you know i'm rooting for the newcomer well let's start a round of girl versus labels girl has been working late every night girl pulled an all nighter and came home to her period girl's phone buzzes at 11 pm where are you why aren't you replying what is wrong with you are you okay see i told you ishmeet girl is back on top Sorry not well just taking the day off message blue tick message blue tick message typing 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 message blue tick typing 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 blue tick emoji blue tick message blue tick good night blue tick even her period cramps don't hurt anymore who says she has to be pms girl we'll see about that there are still 4 days to go there day 2 see she's calling him no reply day 4 she's calling him again will desperate girl label do her in he answered hello can't talk right now we'll call you back end of week one more call and who made that call 
there is only this much willpower a girl can have on her period dysmenorrhea girl ting end of round see you after this break क्या आप ढूंढ रहे हैं अपना जीवन साथी जो और कुछ नहीं पर हो बड़ा संस्कारी डेटिंग वेटिंग छोड़िए जरा स्वदेशी सोचिए ऑल शादी के लड्डू डॉट कॉम प्रोडक्ट्स आर मेड ओनली फ्रॉम अपर कास्ट वाला शुद्ध घी एंड स्टैम्प्ड विद ममाज बॉय वाला लेबल इन सबको मिलाकर बनता है गुड ऑन पेपर राजा बेटा परफेक्ट फॉर योर शादी का लड्डू फेबल शादी के लड्डू डॉट कॉम डिलीवरिंग राजा बेटा सिंस एटीन फिफ्टी सेवन हेलो इफ यू जस्ट ट्यून डेन Stand up comedy show open mic one of those things isn't it nice to see him again no 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 she is not falling for that she won't be moony eyed girl well you got to admit it was worth a shot anyway look but she's skipping out early labels are bringing on the high maintenance girl will she ask him to drop her home are you mad stay you have fun i'm just a little tired don't worry i'll get home by myself Thanks yaar you are such a no fuss girl ouch that must have hurt ishmeet but girl is still standing well no doubt she's a toughie but how long can she take it girl will work hard workaholic no 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 distraction distraction <laughs> we'll see a uh, handful of tinder dates none of them wanted to talk all of them wanted sex slutty girl girl didn't want any of them stalemate ting End of this round to find out who prevails in this big fight the biggest fight the endless fight the oldest fight to find out who won in girl versus labels check out our facebook page that is sexonomics sxonomics we're also on twitter and instagram at sexonomics sxonomics I really hope that you enjoyed that episode. I know that I sure did. And please check out our website rjhappyhour.com and Facebook page for links to those other Sexonomics performances that they mentioned during the interview. Please like their page and ours to spread the word and support the work of opinionated feminists who are working together to take down our arch nemesis patriarchy. And as always, we'd love if you would give us a shout out uh, on Facebook or via email, which is hello at rjhappyhour.com to share your thoughts on this episode and let us know more of what you'd like to hear about in the future. That's all for now. See you later. Bye.